Yeah, three of you said, ye ready to encounter the living God this morning? Yeah, yeah three of you said yes. The rest of you, you need to go back home and get another hour. No, I tell you, Sunday mornings are, are designed, actually Saturday evenings at the end of the Sabbath is when the first church really began to meet. At sundown began the first day of the week to have our hearts really longing to encounter the true and living God. And this Psalm 15 does a spectacular job of looking to allow us to encounter the living God. So I want you to turn, if you would, to Psalm 15. On your device or in your Bibles. Psalm 15, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Verse 1, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Now, I like the way that the message version, I'm not going to say translation, but the message version says this, and I want to I read this before I pray into this. So David asks, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? Then God responds, well, walk straight. Act right. And tell the truth. Don't hurt your friend. Don't blame your neighbor. But rather despise the despicable. Keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living and never, ever take a bribe. If you live like this, you'll never get blacklisted. Let's pray. Our Father, we're just grateful to be together today on this first day of the week, Yom Rishon, day one. And Lord, we want to present to you our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Lord, it's our spiritual service of worship to you. Lord, we want to know what your will is. We do this so that we may discern that acceptable, good and perfect will of God for our lives today. And Lord, as I sound the shofar again, Lord, I pray that 
you would tune in our spiritual frequency, our ability to hear, hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches all around the world, but in particular and specifically right here among us this morning on this Highland campus. So Lord, tune in our ability to hear and I pray that we'd be able to hear your voice as clearly as we'll hear this horn. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. Amen. Verse 1. David asks, who? Who? Who is qualified to dwell in your tabernacle? The holy hill of God. And the tabernacle or the holy hill is referring to the resting place of the Ark of the Covenant. That's where the presence of God was continually. It also referred to where the worshipers gathered and the worshipers assembled is where God came and visited. And these two terms, they're interchangeable, both describing the focal points of Israeli worship, which was the dwelling place of God. And in Psalm 15, God is calling his people to be morally upright. And look at what he does. He gives 10 practical ways to live righteously. Now, our standards should never, ever come from an ever-growing evil society, but from God and from his word, always. And there's no way that anyone can dwell with God without the Holy Spirit alongside to help us to make those radical changes that God is requiring from each of us concerning the way we talk, the way we live, and the way we think. Only with Holy Spirit help can we find that dwelling place with the Most High God. In verses 3 and 4, the Spirit of God uses David to focus on words. Words are powerful. And how you and I use them will be determined by our relationship with God. Perhaps nothing so identifies believers in Jesus as their ability to control their speech, speaking the truth, refusing to slander, and keeping our oaths, commitments, and promises. I want you to turn with me to uh, James chapter 3. James 3. I want to read a few verses. This is so vividly expressed in the new covenant letter that James wrote. Verse 5, and then I want to read verses 8 through 10. Verse 5, James writes, Even so the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. 
No man, and I might add woman, can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. Back to Psalm 15. Verse 5, the last verse in this psalm, here we see that God was against the Jewish people charging interest or making a profit on loans to needy fellow Jews. We read about that in Leviticus 25. I'll just read a couple of verses, verse 35 through 37. If one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, listen to this socialized kingdom system. Then you shall help him, not the government. Like a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with you. Take no usury or interest from him, but fear your God, that your brother may live with you. You shall not lend him your money for usury, nor lend him your food at a profit. Friends, this is kingdom Medicare. However, charging interest on loans to foreigners was allowed. <laughs> as we see in Deuteronomy 23:20. So it's not surprising that how we handle money and possessions is very important to God. Some people are so obsessed with money today. So passionate about money that they will violate their integrity and lifestyle to get it. So if gaining money and possessions is a controlling force in your life, you need to be very serious about this today and ask the Spirit of God to deliver you from this evil of loving money. Wealth needs its rightful place in our lives. But if it is an idol, it will harm others and deeply affect our relationship with God, possibly even destroying it. This is a very serious issue with God. It should be serious with us too. Well, in the beginning of Psalm 15, King David asked the Lord a very good question. Let's look again at verse 1. Who may enter your tabernacle, your presence on your holy hill? It's so wonderful that God immediately answered, or at least at some time answered, because he writes the next four verses in the answer that God gave him. But I want you to focus and take a look at the very last part of verse 4. Verse 4. I want you to take an extra look at it because it's difficult to translate in the original Hebrew. 
Now, the way in which it's translated in the King, New King James Version, which is what I'm reading from today, and also the ESV, what Pastor John likes so much, it's translated exactly the same. Here's how it reads. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. What does that mean? Well, I think the living Bible captures the Hebrew thought right here. It reads, he who is truly sincere and keeps a promise, even if it ruins him. Mm. What a powerful statement that begs the question, how well do we keep our promises? Are we committed to keeping our word even when it will cost us greatly? This morning, I want you to answer this question in your own heart perfectly honestly. You know why I say that? Because God is not just looking at our physical presence in this room. He is looking at our hearts. God is the one who looks at the heart. And he's looking at our hearts this morning. And here's the question. How committed are you to keeping your word to God and to others? Perhaps a better question is, how committed is God Almighty to keeping his word? Friends, one of the greatest confidences we have in God is that he will always, always, always keep his word. Always. Amen. King David writes in Psalm 119.89, Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Forever. That's a long time, forever. I want you to turn to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verse 30. One thing that I really enjoyed about this study in Psalms that we're doing in this semester and probably next semester as well, and we're only doing the first book of Psalms, which is the first 41 Psalms, and randomly picking different ones. And I'm thankful for uh, James Poole that shared uh, last week on Psalm 5. But the first 41, almost all of them are written by David. Other psalms are being written by Asaph and other, several different other people. But David was the exclusive person in the in, inception of the psalm writing. In fact, it says that David has written over 4,000 psalms. Amazing. Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in him. God's word is solid, rock solid. You can totally depend upon it. 
and he is eternally faithful to keep his word and to fulfill all of his promises. Standing on the promises. That's not just a song. That is a declaration of what the word says. We can totally stand. We can lie down to the promises. We can, we can do everything on the promises because they are yes and amen eternally. Personally, I've gained some great insight from a brother by the name of John Stott. I want you to listen to the, what he wrote about words and the authority that they carry. John Stott writes this. If it is a word from God... It has authority over men because God's word carries God's absolute authority. And it is because of who he is that we believe what he has said. For behind every word that anybody speaks stands the person who speaks it. It is the man or the woman behind their word that would determine how people regard their words. Their words will determine their character, their knowledge, and their respect. Often, too often, we do not think or pray before we speak. We don't think about the consequences of our words. And when we don't think about the consequences of our words, we can easily make irresponsible statements and promises. And we've all done this. Amen? That should be every head. Amen. We've all done this. And what happens? People get hurt. People get offended. And disappointed when you and I make commitments that we do not keep. When we break promises, note takers, as Pastor John would say, this is a good thing to write down. When we break promises, the authority behind our words is weakened. People lose respect for those who do not keep their word. And this is especially true for those in authority. Parents with their children. Employees with employers. Husbands and wives. Even pastors with their congregations. When you break your commitment to your word, you lessen the authority with those people to whom you gave your word. Your words fall to the ground. And this affects also our power in the spiritual warfare realm because words are essentially involved in prayer warfare. So the authority of your words, another thing, take this down if you're able to write, the authority of your words rests upon your commitment to fulfill what you promised. Years ago, there was a man that came for counsel. 
And that was concerning his son. And his son had really been rebellious. How many of you have ever known a rebellious son? Well, I put my hand up because I was one. I know what those rebels are like. And uh, giving some fictitious names, uh, let's say his name is Jack. And Jack just came and just said, you know, I, I, I just don't know what, I'm beside myself. This son has been so rebellious, uh, just uh, will not take answer, will not take my authority. And yet, yet I've, I've treated him, I've, I've gotten all kinds of things, I've, I've gotten him this and that, I've taken him to places, and he's just totally rebellious. So the question was asked, well, how long has this been? Well, I, I, years, number of years. And how old is Jimmy now? Well, he's 19. So the question was, well, do you remember a time when you really may have hurt Jimmy? Really damaged him? No, no. I, listen, I'm not that kind of a dad. I don't abuse my kids. You see how we jump right to the extreme? I, no, I, I, I don't abuse my kids. I'm a I'm, I'm good father. Listen, I, I've treated him. I've given, given the world to him. Was there ever a time when you made a promise or a commitment to Jimmy and didn't follow through? No, no, I, hey, I, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. After about 30 seconds of silence, Jack replied, well, <laughs> there's one thing, but it, it probably isn't it. Uh, what is that thing? Well, a number of years ago when Jimmy was in Boy Scouts, uh, there was the Boy Scout Jamboree. Any of you ever been to a Boy Scout Jamboree? A few of us, yay, Boy Scout Jamborees, yeah. I mean, it is a great fun event. I was only at one, but I enjoyed it. And this one was going to be father and son. So two months out from the Jamboree, both Jack and Jimmy were really excited. They went out and went to the camping store, <coughs> got all the supplies, got, <coughs> excuse me, new... Uh, <coughs> New sleeping bags. They didn't have pads then. They were going to rough it. Anyway, they got all the equipment and they're all second and they're both excited. The weeks begin to draw near. It was eight weeks out, then seven, then six, then five, then four, then three, then two. Jack goes to work and the corporate executives call Jack into the office. Jack, we are on the verge of the greatest merger that our corporation has ever had. And Jack, this will secure all of our future financially, probably for the rest of our days. It is this important. And Jack, you are the greatest closer that we have. So you need to go. And he goes, well, okay, when is it? He said, it's in two weeks' time. And Jack went, oh, no. I can't do that. that. That's the Boy Scout Jamboree, and 
I've told Jimmy we've been preparing this for, for weeks. I, 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 I can't go. The corporate leader said, well, Jack, with this contract, you can take Jimmy on 50 jamborees. You can take him to Disney World three times a year. You can, you can have the greatest relationship with your son by getting him all kinds of things as a result of this merger. Listen to me. This is just one jamboree. The rest of the jamborees throughout his life you can take him to and you can fully enjoy it. But Jack gave in. And when he told Jimmy, Jimmy dropped his head and said, I thought that would happen. And Jack said, you know, I think the rebellion started a couple of months after the jamboree had taken place. And now that I think about it, maybe that was it. So the encouragement was, listen, Jack, you need to really humble yourself in front of Jimmy. You need to beg him for forgiveness and be prepared that Jimmy won't receive it right away because there's been a long span before the confession has been made. You may need to do this often, but there will come a time if you have consistency in your confession that Jimmy will really hear your heart, not just your words and a new relationship can begin. Unfortunately, it took about six months of confessing almost daily until one day, Jack just said, again, son, I beg you to forgive me. I was so wrong. I was so worldly. I was so carnal. I was so greedy. And he dropped to his knees and just started bawling like a baby. And in his slobbering on the floor, he just says, I beg God to forgive me. And son, I just beg you. I beg you to forgive me. And Jimmy got down on his knees and put his arms around his dad and said, Dad, I do forgive you. Let's start over. Now that process of expressing humility took a while for it to sink into Jimmy's heart. But the consistent humility of Jesus in Jack broke through the hardness and the pain within his son's heart to bring the breakthrough of reconciliation. Friends, this is kingdom life in action. So do you keep your word even when it may cost you dearly?
when you keep your word, even if you need to pay a high price to keep it, the authority behind your words will increase because you become a man or woman of your word. And this increased authority does not come from man. It comes from God, who is the perfect source of keeping his word. How sad that today we have to question the promises of politicians. And that business agreements can no longer be conducted with a really good, solid handshake. Today, we need a legal firm to make sure that we will not break some of our commitments or contracts. In many homes today, today, both parents and children have a difficult time trusting each other if there have been broken promises and commitments. How tragic that even Christians do not always do what we say or promise. You know, we may take our words really lightly. Others don't. And for sure, God doesn't. Integrity and keeping our word is basic. It's foundational in our lives as believers. So when there's a designated time for a meeting, be there on time. In fact, in the military, we used to say, you need to be there 10 to 15 minutes before time, and that's the time you need to be there. You need to make sure you're there on time. So get there early. This is why you are such a joy to be with. You senior adults are such a joy. Almost all of you are here. 20 minutes before, half hour before, 10 minutes before. In fact, you're kind of late if you're five minutes before. Now you are such a joy to be among. When there's a designated time, be there. And when you commit to doing something or to someone, follow through on your commitment. But listen to this, pray before you make a commitment. Because it may sound good and sound right and sound convenient, but if God's not in it, you don't want to be a part of it. And it's going to be hard to fulfill or you're going to really miss out on something extra had you not chosen that. We're in a generation today where younger people don't want to miss out on anything, so they want to commit to everything. And then all of a sudden, three weeks later, well, I, my schedule's too full and I, I, I can't do this. If we would pray before we commit, we'd give the Lord opportunity to show us and to choose his way over ours. When someone asks you to pray, let me encourage you, pray right then right there. If it's on the middle of an aisle in Walmart, and if someone asks you to pray, stop right there. Who cares what everyone else is thinking or looking? 
The eyes of heaven are upon us. Not only that, it helps us because our memories especially. <laughs> Hello. Uh, we forget too easily. Yeah, and, and Boeing, we commit too easily. Yeah, I'll, hey, I'll pray for you. And we even volunteer that when they don't even want prayer. And then we don't do it. Oh my, Father, help us. It's a nice religious thing to say, I'll pray for you. But it's religious if we do not follow through. Because the relationship is we committed to what we promise. So pray right then, right there. Then you fulfill your obligation. Numerous times I've had a person say, right here in Burger King? Yeah, right here, right here, right here, right now. Well, and see, they're filled with self-consciousness. Now, don't worry about them. I want to pray to God. Oh, 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 okay. And if you close your eyes, you won't look at the, uh, at the, at the uh, sandwiches going by and the cars driving by. No, no, just, just close your eyes. And it doesn't need to be a long religious prayer so that other people will hear. Lord, I pray you'd meet this sister. I pray you'd heal her. Whatever the thing, whatever God wants us to pray, amen. It does not need to be a long preachy prayer. And I'm preaching to myself with that. There will be an increase of authority behind our words, friends, if we are totally committed to keeping them. You will earn people's respect and you'll be considered trustworthy. You'll be considered faithful. What great, great attributes to be considered. Your name will be respected because people will know that you keep your promises no matter what the cost. These are days in which we really need to get right with God and get right with others and let everyone say amen. The Spirit of God through David gave us a list of 10 requirements to dwell in the presence of God. I only unpacked one this morning. So for the next nine weeks, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. But think about that. that I, listen, I only, really only unpack one of these 10 things. Being committed to your word. But I felt that that was of God's priority because we too lightly make commitments that we do not fulfill and our spiritual authority is gone. Then we wonder how come our prayers don't get answered or people don't get delivered when we pray. Well, it could be that there's something back there that's making our words much less effective. Friends, God wants to get our attention. I believe what's been happening in the world since January of last year is that God wants the attention of the whole planet. And he's getting it from a few. And he's presenting each of us today in this room an opportunity to get right with God and to get right with others. 
with anyone who comes to mind. Isaiah 57, 15 says, I am the Lord God Almighty. And I dwell in a high and a holy place with him or her who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 66, 2 says, On this one will I look, declares the Lord. On him or her who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Let's turn to the Lord. The powerful truth of this morning is that I just, I sense strongly uh, some of you have given your word and not kept it. Either to God or to others. But this is the day. Today, this is the day. Right here, right now to take the first step in rectifying this by confessing your sin before our holy God. That's what Jack had to do. He had acknowledged his sin. He needed to realize the devastation that he caused by making a promise, a commitment that he did not fulfill. And then like Jack, your next step will be to pursue peace and healing in that broken relationship. Lord, we just pray that you would look upon us mercifully this morning, God. We pray that you'd look upon us graciously. Father, we pray you'd grant us courage to have difficult conversations if we must. And may you, O oh Lord, our God, may you find us right, us right here, right now, to be humble peacemakers in our relationships. Lord, peacekeeping is not what you've called us to. We are to be makers of peace. And Jesus, you had to die to establish peace for us with your Father. Peacemaking requires a death somewhere. And Lord, I just pray this morning that every one of us will be willing to pay any price, 
any price there is to bring restoration in our relationship to God and our relationship to others. Bring this to pass, I pray, to the lifting up of the name, the nature, the character, the person, the authority of Jesus in our lives. Amen.